Lovely. Miss Mara inhabits the air. Volcanic ash blown hither and thither by the trade winds. A few days passed without any sign of life from her. In the kitchen, after my wife had retired, I would sit and write voluminous letters to her. We were living then in a morbidly respectable neighbourhood, occupying the parlour floor and basement of a lugubrious brownstone house. The only place I could tolerate was the kitchen. It was a sort of comfortable prison cell, and like a prisoner, here I often sat alone late into the night planning my escape. Here too my friend Stanley sometimes joined me, croaking over my misfortune and withering every hope with bitter and malicious barbs. I went again to the dance hall and found a message waiting for me. The sight of her handwriting made me tremble. It was brief and to the point. She would meet me at Times Square in front of the drugstore at midnight the following day. I was to please stop writing to her home. I had less than three dollars in my pocket when we met. The greeting she gave me was cordial and brisk. Let's go to Jimmy Kelly's place, she said. She took me by the arm and walked to the curb where a cab was waiting for us. I sank back into the seat, overwhelmed by her mere presence. I made no attempt to kiss her, or even to hold her hand. She had come. That was the paramount thing. That was everything. We remained until the early hours of the morning, eating, drinking, dancing. When the bill came, I almost dropped dead. In order to stall for time, I ordered more drinks. When I confessed to her that I had only a couple of dollars on me, she suggested that I give them a check. I had to explain that I owned no checkbook, that I possessed nothing but my salary. While confessing this sad state of affairs to her, an idea had germinated in my crop. I called the main office of the telegraph company and begged the night manager, who was a friend of mine, to send a messenger to me immediately with a $50 bill. It was a lot of money for him to borrow from the till, and he knew I wasn't any too reliable, but I gave him a harrowing story, promising faithfully to return it before the day was out. The messenger turned out to be another good friend of mine, Old Man Crichton, an ex-minister of the gospel. He asked me if I would have enough with the fifty. I can give you another twenty-five, he said readily. I took it and thanked him warmly. I paid the bill, gave the waiter a generous tip, shook hands with the manager, the assistant manager, the bouncer, the hat-check girl, the doorman, and with a beggar who had his mitt out. We got into a cab and, as it wheeled around, Mara impulsively climbed over me and straddled me. We went into a blind fuck with a cab lurching, our teeth knocking, tongue bitten, and the juice pouring from her like hot soup. As we passed an open plaza, I caught the astonished glance of a cop as we sped by. It's dawn, Mara, I said, gently trying to disengage myself. Wait, wait, she begged, panting and clutching at me furiously, and with that she went into a prolonged orgasm in which I thought she would rob my cock off. Finally, she slid off and slumped back into her corner, her dress still up over her knees. I leaned over to embrace her again, and as I did so, I ran my hand up her wet cunt. She clung to me like a leech, wiggling her slippery ass around in a frenzy of abandon. I felt the hot juice trickling through my fingers. I had 
all four fingers up her crotch, stirring up the liquid moss which was tingling with the electrical spasms. She had two or three orgasms and then sank back exhausted, smiling up at me weakly like a trapped doe. After a time, she got out her mirror and started powdering her face. Suddenly, I observed a startled expression on her face. In another moment, she was kneeling on the seat, staring out of the back window. Somebody's following us, she said, as though it were her life and death. I took her hand and pressed it gently. I reflected quickly. Nobody is following us. That's all coke and laudanum. But somebody's after her. That's definite. She's committed a crime, a serious one, and maybe more than one. Nothing she says adds up. I'm in a web of lies. I'm in love with a monster, the most gorgeous monster imaginable. I should quit her now immediately.